Welcome to Book Club, presented by Thunder Thighs and Lightning. Join us for our foray into podcast meets audiobook meets story time at the library meets my lifelong dream of reading out loud to people. For our first book club selection, we will be sharing the Harlequin romance novel, Country Proud, written by number one New York Times bestselling author, Linda Lale Miller. The TTL book club is a passion project of our podcast that we are doing simply for our love of pocket novels, and our opinions in no way represent the author, publisher, or the copywriter. Lucky you, for this book club, pants are not required. All right, chapter 10. Before I start, though, I do want to give a caveat to the listeners that um, you are helping me take gel nail polish off of my fingernails <laughs> because my awesome nail chick had to cancel on me today and it's really hideous. So we have Kristen aluminum foil hands. Yeah. So um, when I'm turning pages, it might be a little bit slow for uh, the listeners. Um, and you also might hear me clanking aluminum foil fingers against my wine glass <laughs> and the book. And here we are. Bryn found Sarah in her kitchen at the epicenter of holiday chaos. Sarah's young daughter, Haley, was seated at the table, carefully sprinkling coconut flakes onto a white layer cake while her friends, Melba and Dan's daughters, Jill, 12, and Carrie, 9, supervised. Eric and Dan could be heard all the way from the den on the other side of the house, shouts of jubilation alternating with bellows of protest as they battled it out on their video game. Sarah smiled a greeting and rolled her eyes. Sit down and make yourself at home, if you dare, she said. Bryn laughed, though she felt a familiar pang of loneliness as she shed her coat and hung it from one of the pegs next to the back door. She couldn't help comparing this happy cacophony to the silence of her apartment. What can I do to help, she asked. Dan had left the wine she'd brought on a nearby counter. You could pop those bottles into the wine cooler, Sarah replied, stirring something in the giant bowl she held. What do you think she was stirring? Uh, GHB. GHB? <laughs> it's like pasta salad. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna sprinkle this in the mayonnaise. She was gonna make it real nice. <laughs> she was wearing a colorful cobbler apron over her jeans and bright green sweater, and she looked about 12 years old. Mom Haley said, backing away from the cake to consider it solemnly, "Does this look okay? It looks fabulous." Sarah said, "Thank you." Haley resembled her mother with her dark hair and gray eyes, and she seemed to have inherited Sarah's good disposition. Can we go to my room and watch a movie? Use the TV in the living room, Sarah replied, setting the bowl down, opening the oven door, and bending to peer inside, her long braid dangling. The lovely aroma of a roast beef filled the steamy room. This is a holiday, and I don't want you holed up in your bedroom all day. The three young girls trooped, trooped out of the kitchen, and Sarah heaved a great sigh, though she was smiling. Bryn had slipped three of the four bottles she'd brought into the built-in cooler, a small under-the-counter refrigerator with a glass door, but she waggled the fourth enticingly. Shall I pour? She asked. I feel like you waggle wine at me all the time. <laughs> that's, our, that's our communication. I feel like you waggled some wine at me enticingly today. <laughs> <laughs> Please do, Sarah responded. Every year when New Year's rolls around, I wonder why I don't just spend the day in my bathroom with my feet up. Bryn took two glasses from the rack affixed to the underside of the cupboard above the cooler and reached into a drawer for the corkscrew. Why don't you? She asked as she began the process of opening a lovely bottle of crisp, dry white. The holidays seem to get more hectic every year. First, there's Thanksgiving and all the attendant fuss. Then too soon, it's Christmas and even more fuss. And a week after that, we're staying up till midnight. And finally, we're cooking a roast beef dinner and hoping we can get everybody fed before half the guests are crowded into the den watching the big football game, Sarah finished. Bryn handed a glass to Sarah, then filled one for herself. You do it all because you love your family. Here we go, guys. Turn on a page. 
<laughs> and your friends. <laughs> and you want your kids to have great memories to look back on. You're a wonderful mother, Sarah. To Bryn's surprise, her friend's eyes filled with tears and she sank into a chair at the table, nearly thrusting her elbow into the coconut layer cake in the process. Yeah, because she's high on GHB and she hates her family. She's just, she's like, I almost thrust my elbow in there and said I thrust my fist in there and she's just eating handfuls of cake. <laughs> she's like, I'm actually- I've done that on mushrooms. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I don't like this. <laughs> so funny. Oh. Um, Bryn immediately set her own glass down and rested a hand on Sarah's shoulder. The other woman was trembling a little. Sarah, she said, what is it? I don't want to spoil the holiday by telling you, Sarah replied with a sniffle. She picked up her glass and took a resolute sip. Bryn sat down, pulled her chair closer to Sarah's. Tell me what, she asked, though she had a pretty good idea what the problem was. The night before, Eli had told her about the threatening text Sarah's son, Eric, had received from Freddie Lansing. Fucking ice. I, I was like, what was his name again? It's been so long. <clears throat> She knew, too, that Dan Summers was there as a professional rather than a friend, although he was certainly that, too. For all that, Bryn knew the choice to discuss the problem with Sarah's to make, not hers or Eli's. Plus, on the off chance that Eli had spoken out of turn, she didn't want to throw him under the bus. Sarah spilled the story Bryn had expected to hear, but with greater detail. She'd hired Dan Summers to live in her house until the Freddie Lansing threat had been resolved. He would be accompanying Eric to school while one of his crewmen, scheduled to arrive that afternoon, would watch over Haley. What about you, Bryn asked, thinking what an outrage it was that Sarah, the sister of a county sheriff, had to go to such lengths to protect her family while Freddie, that punk, was free to come and go. Fucking nice. Who's going to keep you safe, Sarah? Sarah blinked away her tears, took another sip of wine, savored it for a moment, and swallowed. Well, I am, she said, sounding surprised. Bren laid a hand on her friend's forearm. Sarah, Freddie Lansing is a schoolyard bully. He's a grown man. He might try to hurt you. Sarah's jawline tightened and her gaze strayed to a small painting hanging on the far wall. It was Bryn's own work, a simple watercolor, still featuring a plain crockery bowl filled with fruit. If I ever get a gun and hide it in a wall, I'll put one of your paintings in front of it. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Oh my God, I hope Unless so. you're a burglar and you're breaking into my house and then it's not behind her paintings. I'll just paint something that doesn't look like my normal painting. That, now they know that too. Damn it. We're fucked. God. I'm dead. Sarah's jawline tightened and her gaze strayed to a small painting hanging. Oh, Darius said that. I almost wish he would, Sarah said. Bryn knew there was a safe secreted behind the painting, and now she had a pretty good guess what was inside, besides the usual jewelry, passports, and other important documents. Sarah, she breathed alarm. Do not tell me you have a gun right here in this kitchen. Okay, I won't tell you, Sarah said, straightening her shoulders and looking quietly determined. Is that your sister, Sarah? Probably. Probably. <laughs> Could you really shoot someone? The idea made Bryn slightly ill. She hated guns, had always hated them. Although Clay's experience in that Boston convenience store where he'd nearly been shot right along with his partner had caused her to hate them even more. If they broke into my home intending to harm my children or anyone else who might be around, you're damn right I could, Bryn, in a freaking heartbeat. Imagining herself in such a situation. Pause. Age turn. <laughs> Hold on, I can't get this one, guys. Okay, it's just a lot of aluminum foil, a lot of acetone, and these pages are stuck. Can you help me? Yeah, but it's funnier <laughs> to watch. Okay, okay. And next. I forget what the last two words on this page were now. No, don't go back. We can't go forward. Bren okay. realized that she herself could kill someone. It was a chilling insight into her own nature. Are you judging me, Sarah asked, without rancor? No, Bren answered her promptly. Honestly, I'm just scared of guns, that's all. Like, really scared of guns. That's just how you're, that just shows you're a sane human being, Sarah replied, resting a hand on Bryn's, probably to communicate that she wasn't offended by her horrified reaction to Sarah's apparent willingness to pick up a firearm with intent to kill. 
I'm no expert, not like Eli or Dan anyway, but I've had the best available training. And as long as there are people like Freddie Lansing in the world, I'm going to keep my skills polished to a high shine. Bryn swallowed. Here's hoping you never have to use those skills, Sarah. Sarah tapped the rim of her wine glass against the rim of Bryn's. Here's hoping, she agreed. She paused thoughtfully and the noises from the den in the living room seemed to recede into the distance. Maybe you should learn to shoot, Bryn. My instructor at the range is marvelous, or Eli could teach you. Bryn shivered. Why would I do that? Maybe so you wouldn't be so afraid of guns, Sarah suggested lightly, or if, God forbid, you needed to protect yourself. Bryn was about to change the subject out of pure desperation when the back door opened and Eli entered. Eli! Big old boner Eli. I want to see your fence post. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Nearly, Linda, nearly tripping (laughs) when Festus shot past him and headed straight for the next room, barking with delight. He's a party animal, Eli said dryly, setting the bulky bags he carried on the end of the counter and closing it behind him with a motion of one foot. Hysterical, Sarah remarked. Though she got up, went to Eli and kissed him smartly on the cheek. Bryn was staring at him and he was staring back. Bryn swallowed. Hello, Eli. <laughs> Bryn swallowed and Eli loved it. <laughs> Bryn swallowed. <laughs> this is a porn, Linda. Oh my God. <laughs> Hello, Eli, she said. His voice was husky. Hello, he replied. Now that, Sarah interjected with a laugh, was some snappy repartee. Remind me not to use it in, in any of my books. Eli shrugged out of his uniform jacket, found a place for it on the crowded row of pegs where other coats hung. To Bryn, he looked exhausted, and that pressed a bruise into the center of her heart, the size of a thumbprint. Okay, if that if that is how it was, though, if he would have just splurged all over her throat, that would be an appropriate follow-up. He was exhausted. He had a husky voice. He pressed a dick print <laughs> into her heart. <laughs> I was just trying Never to convince. Me. <laughs> I was just trying to convince Sorry. Bryn that she ought to learn to handle a gun. Sarah announced lightly, yeah, reaching for her wine glass. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. Oh, you're already drunk, Eli teased good-naturedly. At this hour, I'm serious. Sarah said. So am I. Eli replied. It's a lousy idea. You could teach her. Sarah pressed, opening the oven for another peek at the roast. That's another dick reference. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dick references in this. Or Zeke could give her lessons. He's my instructor, and he's one handsome hunk of a Montana man. Eli sighed, though there was a glimmer of amusement in his tired eyes. Zeke is a good-looking guy. He's also gay. No. Wieners. Sarah cried. Really? Disappointed, Eli chided. For once, Sarah had nothing to say. For Bryn's part, she was enjoying the brother and sister exchange, wishing, not for the first time in her life, by any means, that she had a sibling. Someone to joke. Sorry, guys. Page turn. There we go. So close, you guys. I can only turn help. Okay. Someone to joke with, bicker with, love unconditionally, and be loved the same way in return. (laughs) Of course, Sarah and Eli's relationship was probably unusual, even rare. Why? Because everything about Eli was rare. He was no ordinary man, and Sarah was no ordinary woman. Bryn felt rather shallow by comparison to either one of them. Eli moved to stand briefly beside Bryn's chair and his hand brushed across the back of her left shoulder, light as a spring breeze. Don't listen to my sister, he said. She thinks that cowboy detective, she thinks she's that cowboy detective she writes about. With that, he left the room. Bryn heard Haley greeting him in the living room with a gleeful, hey, hey yourself, he replied audibly. How else would he reply? (laughs) Just hand gestures. Hey, hey yourself. He flipped the bird. He flipped the bird. Threw some gang signs. (laughs) Bryn sat very still in her chair, still recovering from the jolt that had raced through her at his touch. Her feet seemed bolted the floor. 
Guess you're finally over Clay Nichols, that scumbag, Sarah said gently with a smile in her voice. To her own surprise, if not Sarah's, Bryn suddenly began to cry, though silently. Her shoulders shook and her nose ran, and when Sarah produced a box of tissues, she snatched up a handful and buried her face in them. Oh, Bryn, Sarah said, her tone tender now. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have opened my big mouth. Bryn recovered quickly, mainly because she didn't want anybody else to see her shedding ridiculous tears like a schoolgirl ditched on prom night. She knew it too, or thing, a thing or two about that. Fucking Eli. Mm. I'm all right, she insisted, not quite meeting Sarah's eyes, though she could feel her friend's gaze probing, however kindly, into the thing she didn't want to reveal. It's just, well, all the stress of getting the restaurant ready for last night. Right, Sarah agreed, though she was only being polite and Bryn knew it. Relax, Bryn, have another glass of wine, and then we'll get dinner on the table, and I'll be a model of tact from now on. She paused to cross her heart, I promise. Bryn laughed in spite herself. What? You, a model of tact, Bryn replied. I can't picture it. Sarah laughed too. Then she leaned forward and hugged Bryn. Before either of them could say anything, a ruckus erupted in the general vicinity of the kitchen. Both women left the kitchen, Sarah untying her apron as she went. Melba Summers had just arrived, wearing a soft, form-fitting red dress and strappy high heels. Since she was rarely seen in anything but a uniform, she made quite an impression. She was carrying a covered bowl in the curve of one of her arms, and she beamed at her daughter as they rushed her, shrieking in delight. Beamed at her daughters as they rushed her. And, okay. What are you two doing here? Melba asked in genuine surprise. You were supposed to be spending the night with your grandmother. Dad made arrangements with grandma and had one of his men pick us up at her place, Jill said, bouncing happily on the balls of her feet. Like balls. Her, balls. It says balls on your forehead. Like her sister Carrie, Jill would grow up to be a stunner. They both resemble everyone's hot, except for Freddie. <laughs> he's just like, a, he's like the bully from Christmas Story, just snaggletooth asshole. And then everyone else, beautiful. Nine years old, beautiful. Uh, 40, beautiful. Ice, not so much. Jill would grow up to be a stunner. They both resemble, resembled Melba. Oh yeah, I thought you said stoner. Stunner. I heard stoner. We got to ride in a Hummer. Just then, Dan filled the doorway to the den, taking in his ex-wife's wildly curly ebony hair and knockout figure. Is he coming up here? No, I don't think so. The postal service man is here, and he is also hot, you guys. So basically, really, you think he's no, hot? not okay, at all. Good. Okay, just saying, everyone's hot except for him. He's eating Gardettos, though. Is he? Sidebar. That's hot. That's hot. Hot. Uh, <laughs> knockout figure, and looking as though he'd just been. Polaxed. Is that what the postal guy's doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> Eli's trying to polax Bryn. Oh. Eli stepped around him, a slight grin curling one side of his mouth. Hello, deputy, he said, looking good. She made a face at him, but her eyes were bright with mischief. Melba searched the room for a safe place to land her gaze and found Sarah. I brought Waldorf salad, she said, almost shyly, holding out the bowl she carried. Sarah hurried to take the bowl and make her guest comfortable. I'm assuming my brother told you Dan would be here, she said in a loud whisper, slanting a challenging glance at Eli. Eli raised both hands as if in surrender. I told her, he swore. Dan looked flummoxed. I just wanted us to all be together, he said, addressing Melba directly. Bryn wasn't sure he was aware just then that anyone else was even in the room. You know, start the new year outright. Something softened in Melba, a visible relaxation of small muscles and weary thoughts. Dan Summers, she said, you know, I don't like it when you involve the girls in your business. Hummer or no Hummer, I don't trust any of those people you hire from God knows where to look after our daughters. 
Can you imagine saying a sentence that started Hummer, no Hummer, and then talking about your daughters? No. I was smiling so big right now also because I was like, okay, Kat, keep the sexual innuendos down. This like, is a sex book. This yeah, is a softcore I was, porn book for I just women. like immediately was taking, I was, yeah, anyway. Okay. Sorry, guys. My brain goes dirty anyway, let alone reading like a Montana sex book. <laughs> Guide to sex in Montana is what this is. Do you think that this is recording? Yeah, it says it. Or is it muted? I don't think so. I think the red button's always on. Should we check? Maybe. Or is the red button usually flashing? No, it's always on like this. Okay. Flashing, I think, is muted. All right. Technical difficulties. Guys, um, <laughs> we haven't recorded in a while. It's been a minute. And I have foil fingers. Dan puffed out his cheeks, collapsed them again by expelling a loud breath. If you were going to argue, he said, could we do it later in private? Melba looked mildly chagrined. Yes, she replied quickly. If the sheriff and I don't get called out in the meantime, we can talk in private. Take that and run with it, old buddy, Eli advised his friend, laying one hand on Dan's broad shoulder. Summers was, Bryn thought, the biggest man she'd ever seen. He had to duck his head just to pass through the, he had to duck his head just to pass through the doorways. He was also a man very much in love with his ex-wife. That was painfully obvious. Was Melba still in love with him? He's got a big dick. If Bryn he had, to duck, he had to duck his dick to get through the door. <laughs> if Bryn had to hazard a guess, she'd say yes. The very atmosphere seemed to pulse around those two. Let's get dinner on the table, Sarah said. She turned to head back into the kitchen and both Bryn and Melba followed quickly. The moment Dan and Melba were in separate rooms, the house seemed to exhale. The food was probably delicious, but Eli, seated directly across Sarah's dining room table from Bryn, was barely aware that he was eating. It was as though all his senses had melded into a single laser-sharp focus trained on her to the exclusion of their surroundings. The insight was vivid and very strange, unlike anything he'd ever experienced before. A glimpse into the past, the present, and the future all at once. If it hadn't been so real and so beautiful, Eli, Eli would have been terrified by the sheer emotional power crackling between them. He wasn't a psychic, didn't even believe in such things. He was just a, he was a just the facts, ma'am, kind of cop. A cop with sharp professional instincts honed by time and practice. And he believed in what he could see, touch, hear, smell, and taste. Hmm. Wink. <laughs> winky, winky. This was something new, something beyond the way he'd seen her as a girl back in high school. In a flash, Eli saw the essence of Bryn Bailey. Her goodness, her strength, her compassion, the very fabric of her finely woven soul. She was multifaceted like a living gem, and he saw these facets clearly. Bryn as a human being, as a woman, as a wife and mother, even as an artist, the owner of a business. He saw her as a daughter, too, as an infant, and as a very old lady. Do not remember that part of his book. Uh, also, I also want to just point out, when you're in a small country town, I, I like to, I did grow up in a small country town. Now it's populated with tourism and airbnbs and stuff still small still small there was no like oh like it was like no there she was with her pure heart and car hearts and shit kickers and smelling like fucking manure like you know that's what yeah white t-shirt with yellow pit stains <laughs> is like, that how people describe to you no i god i hope not <laughs> you're I saying that like the depth stains. of 
emotionality and connectedness that he's no, feeling. No, I'm talking about like it's like the like when he was like describing like how she looked and stuff. I'm like, no, if you're in a small like town, yeah, but she's from a big city. She was married to Clay oh, Nichols. Yeah, okay, that's right. But no, but, no, but talking about high school. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just like, I'm go well, he also described her as a baby and an old lady at the same time, which is how they <laughs> describe baby <laughs> Jesus in Talladega Nights. <laughs> <laughs> oh baby Jesus! I like my pound. grim Bailey, just a little baby eight pound, maybe just some wings. I just think it's just more realistic to just be like she's probably hardworking and sweaty and with chores. That's like, true. That's not true. not gallivanting in wildflowers like we're in. Uh, yeah, know, Austria. No, I think you're right. That's just my own. That's my input because I mean I would have loved to be gallivanting in wildflowers. In Austria. My fingers are hot. Yeah, they're supposed to be. I was going to ask you if they were warming up. Yeah. Good Christ. Yeah. Good. Okay. He That's saw why all you that. should not be near the oven. <laughs> Stay away from the oven. He saw all that and much, much more between one heartbeat and the next. And he knew he would need days, if not years, to sort these impressions. Eli snapped out of his trance because he dropped his knife and fork, sent them clattering onto his china plate. Everyone at the table turned to look at him. You all right, Dan asked. He sat beside Eli, one chair over him, yet the two of them might have been on different planets or, or might have been different planets orbiting around separate suns. No, Eli thought. Yes, he said, literally tearing his gaze from Bryn, who had been watching him with some degree of alarm like everyone else at the table. I guess my mind went wandering there for a minute. No wonder, Melville commented from her chair beside Bryn's. You've got a lot to deal with between Jane Doe and she paused, swallowed a sip of water. Like Eli, she wasn't indulging in wine or whiskey today. Sorry, no topic for the dinner table. Haley, Jill, and Carrie sat at the foot of the table, pretending not to listen and taking in every word while Eric squeezed in between Bryn and Melba was, as they say, all ears. We know what's going on, Mom. Mom, Jill said. There was a murder at Painted Pony Motel. It's all over the web. Maybe Freddie did it, Eric put in. I wouldn't put it past ice. him. Bucket ice. Eli narrowed his eyes, studying his nephew. Why hadn't he thought to ask Eric for more information about Freddie? The kid was certainly in a position to know, having hung out with the punk for the better part of last summer. What makes you say that? Eric shrugged mighty casual now that he was safe in his own home, surrounded by protective adults. Freddie's mean. That isn't exactly red alert stuff. Did he or does he have a girlfriend by any chance? Jill Haley and even Carrie gave a collective ew, <laughs> ew, ew, nasty, ew, David. He was always messaging girls online. Eric replied, reaching for the mashed potatoes and slapping a spoonful onto his plate, which he had already cleared once. I don't know if he ever met any of them. Freddie isn't on social media. Melba said, "I checked. He's on the dark web." Eric responded, as though that should have been obvious, and it should have been. A chill trickled down Eli's spine, pausing at every vertebrae. Are you, he asked pointedly. Eric looked insulted. No, he said. Do you think I'm some kind of creep? Yeah, duh. Can you help me? And also, why do you know about the dark web if you're not in the dark web? I didn't know about the dark web until like just a few years ago. My That's when this was, was written. showing me. Well, no. I'm Your client showed you the dark web? Is that what it is? It's called when you're in incognito mode. No, that's just Google. <laughs> Okay, guys, I need a lesson. Oh my god, I always I know I saw your my reaction that I'm now. That's just when you don't want people finding your searches. Yeah. Okay, the dark web is like where like drugs are sold and people are sold and like dark. It's actually like dark, it's like, wait, you're illegal murder yeah. shit. Wayfair. Wish. Wish.com. Wish.com. 
Okay. <laughs> the root of the dark web. We're just kidding. We love you, Wish. That's where I got the Biff. <laughs> Is that where Biff came from? Yeah. I also, went- by we, I just, I'm sorry. Everybody needs to know. It's a podcast. Biff is Biff Stroganoff. Stroganoff. Yeah. And he's a naked little animatronic man that just walks around the house beaten up. <laughs> yeah, he's like one of those 80s guys that you spin up. And he, he doesn't move. He just jerks off. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he walked. Too. No, he's a lot creepier. No, he just stands. He just stands in the it. bush. Oh my god! Oh, Biff, he's actually looking at us right now. We'll put him on uh, social media, but we have to put an emoji over his wiener. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, he belongs in Painted Pony Creek. He does. Biff Stroganoff is probably. He might be. I mean, we still have quite a bit of reading to go. He okay. might be a part of this. I wondered for a while there, Eli said moderately, remembering the kid's previous escapades. Eric colored from the base of his throat to his hairline. I'd never go on the dark web, he said. It's full of terrible things. Besides, mom would kill me. Couches. With my bare hands, Sarah confirmed, watching her son very closely now. Eli turned his attention to Dan, though he was still hyper aware of Bren, who looked more than a little frightened. You must have people, you know, who know how to navigate that cyber snake pit. Of course I do, myself included. Dan's like, oh, you guys are so stupid. What are you trying to use incognito mode? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you guys even trying. Slightly affronted, his gaze slid to Melba, who skirted it, probably embarrassed, as Eli was by the oversight. First place we look when we're dealing with the worst of the worst. Eli cursed silently, pushed his back his chair. Melba immediately followed suit. Eli, Sarah said in the big sister tone she reserved for certain rare occasions, this is a holiday. We're in the middle of a family dinner. Dan got up too, but in a resigned way. He was obviously reluctant to leave a full plate, his second, to surf a scummy sea of ugly information. Just the thought of it made Eli long to take a shower with Brent. I thought you were say take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> the way the shit was starting, I was like, really? That's what makes it? Okay, that's oh, in okay. different Hold strokes on. for different folks. Just the thought of it made Eli long to take a shower and then lose himself in the sweet, shimmering light that was Bryn. Oh, ah, dirty. Biff dark That's dark web shit. Sarah sighed, aware that she'd lost the battle, if not the war. Use the computer in my office, she said. I don't want any trace of this dark web crap on the kids' system. Her gaze landed on Eric's face, then Haley's. In Sarah's modest office, furnished with a simple desk, a Mac desktop with two monitors, and floor-to-ceiling bookshelves, jam-packed, Dan eased into the adjustable leather chair and reached for the wireless mouse. One monitor flared immediately to life. The image was a family photo. Sarah, Eli, Eric, and Haley posing near the shoots at the creek's annual rodeo. Eli was comforted by that picture, which had been taken by either Cord or JP a couple of years back, but he was also reminded of how very much he had to protect. Password, Dan said. The chair creaked under his weight as he turned to look at Sarah, who was standing in the office doorway by then with Bryn peering over her shoulder. The man had eyes in the back of his head, a handy trait in his business. Sarah recited the string of letters and numbers. Too easy, Dan scolded. I could have guessed that in about five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Then why didn't you, Melba demanded, standing just behind her ex-husband and a little to the left. Damn it, woman, Dan breathed. Would it kill you to cut me some slack here? Eli chuckled at this and received a scathing Melba glare for his trouble. Dan's enormous fingers danced over the keyboard with amazing (laughs) delicacy. Presently, he said, we're in. Eli went to the door, gently but firmly easing Sarah and Bryn backward into the hallway. And you two are out, he said. With that, he closed the door in their faces, 
then went back to his place opposite Melba. Dan was like a human mountain between them. Eli fixed his attention on the monitor screen. I'm a little bit disturbed how Linda like keeps talking about how giant this black man is. Like she says no other descriptors except for like very big. It's called big dick. Is I think <laughs> what she means. And maybe. Dan was still clicking away on the keyboard, and as various images flickered by, Eli realized they were traveling deeper and deeper into patently evil territory. <laughs> Incognito mode. Incognito mode. The we little, are in the, little the guy with Wayfair. The, with the eye fucking monocle and the hat. Um, See, I don't know about this. I've not actually, I've only seen it when a coworker did it one time. Well, I'll show you incognito mode. <laughs> Anyways, it's so funny. he shuddered involuntarily. They were on the devil's playground now, a place where even angels probably feared to tread. Presently, the image of an old barn filled the screen. Eli recognized it, and so did Melba. They both drew in their breaths. This, Dan said, is Lansing's homepage. I thought that pile of scrap wood had been torn down years ago, Melba said, and gave a little shudder of her own. Me too, Eli replied. Want a virtual tour? Dan asked, unflappable as always. Yes, Melba said without conviction. Dan clicked on the barn's sagging doors and they swung open. This might be a crap wad. What? A crap wad? I left the guy out of that sentence. This guy might be a crap wad, he remarked calmly, but he knows how to code. Too bad he's on the wrong side. There were no bodies inside that pixelated structure, at least. None that were in camera range. Just long, dust-speckled shadows, cobwebs, and what looked like an army cot shoved up against one wall. Is this in real time? Melba asked. Dan shook his shaved head. He could stream from there if he wanted, but these images are still shots, edited to flow together. What's that in the corner? Eli leaned in, tapped a fingertip against a bulky shape. Dan zoomed in, and the undefined shape crystallized into a navy blue backpack clean and fairly new looking. The zipper pull was still shiny and there were no tears or stains to be seen. Eli straightened, looked over at Melba, who was looking back at him. I have another set of shoes in the car, Melba said. Good, Eli replied. I'm going with you, Dan stated, about to shut down Freddy's freaky website and stand. Stay here, Eli said. See what else you can find. Dan growled in protest, turning in the chair to glower at Melba and Eli both. I don't like the feel of this. You two need professional backup. We are professionals, Melba retorted. Dan looked furious, but he must have known, more than most, that it was futile to argue with Deputy Melba Summers when she was in cop mode, which was most of the time. That's right, Eli agreed, already on his way to the door. Brynn and Sarah were lurking outside, and they barely managed to get out of the way without being bowled over by the dynamic duo. Get your shoes, Eli barked. We'll take my SUV. Melba pulled off her heels. Okay, who wears heels in a tight red dress to like someone's house for a pot roast on New Year's? <laughs> someone who wants to get kissed. Well, someone who wants her ex-husband back, I guess. Yeah. All right, I'm into it. Uh, for heaven's sake, Sarah sputtered. What's going on? I don't have time to answer that, Eli replied, sprinting after Melba. Dan can fill you in. Bryn stood with her mouth slightly open and her eyes enormous in her pale face. Eli paused long enough to plant a kiss on her forehead and give her shoulder a squeeze, hopefully reassuring her. With a couple of minutes, Eli and Melba were in the SUV, speeding along the back road that ran behind Sarah's house toward the opposite end of town. Melba buckled in, shifted awkwardly in the passenger seat, trying to pull on one of her sneakers. Are you sure this is an emergency? She asked somewhat after the fact. They weren't using the lights or the siren, but yeah, Eli read this as an emergency. He wanted to search the inside of that barn, get there before the backpack disappeared. He said as much. 
Don't we need a warrant, Melba pressed? Not in this case, Eli said. That barn is part of the original McCall homestead. It's actually on JP's land. Oh, shit. Melba blew out a loud breath, making her bangs dance on her forehead. Why did I think that old eyesore had been torn down years ago? Probably because it should have been. The McCall place is big and parts of it are pretty remote. Most likely JP forgot all about it, just like the rest of us. But Freddie Lansing has been using it as a sort of hideout. I hope to God that's all he's used it for, Eli replied, oh. as they shot past the city limits and onto the county highway. Do we need backup? I doubt it, Eli answered, but it wouldn't hurt to give JP a call, let him know we're headed for his place and why. Melba nodded and punched in the number as Eli reeled it off and waited. Hey, JP, she said after a few moments. This is Deputy Summers. The sheriff and I are on our way to the old barn on your land. Yeah. Wait a second. She turned to Eli, eyebrows slightly raised. He says he'll meet us there. Is that all right? Eli gave a raspy chuckle. No, he said, it isn't all right, but that won't stop JP. Melville relayed that information, then ended the call. He just laughed, she said. Of course he did, Eli answered. They zoomed on, reaching the gate to the McCall place within minutes. Probably because JP had been alerted, it stood open. The tires rattled loudly as they crossed the cattle guard onto JP's property. He co-owned the ranch with his two older sisters, neither of whom lived on the place, though they kept a vested interest. JP managed the various enterprises ownership entailed, including mineral rights and several thousand head of cattle. Eli didn't slow down as he passed the spacious ranch house, a long, low structure of brick and wood where JP lived alone, except for his dog, Trooper. I actually think there's a book in this series that's all about JP. Oh, good. Yeah, I looked it up. I think there's an actually an excerpt at the end of this book that gives a little <sighs> glimpse. JP wasn't a cop, but he'd had Eli's back for as long as he could remember, as had Cord, and it was good to have him around. Once they left the ranch road for the glorified cow path that led toward the original homestead and the barn, the going was teeth rattlingly rough. Sorry, Eli said, glancing at Melba. She jutted out her chin. Worry about yourself, Sheriff. I'm fine. You do realize that we're on the same side, right? Melba sighed. I'm still mad at Dan, she confessed. Why? Because he's so damn smart. You'd rather he was stupid? No, I'd rather he was the slightest bit humble. Eli, Eli gave a loud guffaw at that. A good thing, because it would be a while before he laughed again. You guys, while we were just on break, I wanted to um, reach into my oven and pull out a tray of roasting tomatoes. And Kat had to remind me that I have acetone all over my hands and I would have caught myself on fire so she basically uh, protect and serve just like Eli minus the fence. 